As we dive into the Word this morning, I want to make sure that we come to the Lord with expectation. The Lord has a Word for you. And Jesus said that when we hear the Word, we can be like people who have hard hearts. We can be like people who have rocks in our hearts. We can be like people who have thorns and, and weeds in our hearts. Or we can be like people who have good hearts that are good soil, that receive the word and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we want to make sure that as we come before the Lord today, that there's no hardness in our heart. There's nothing where there, our hearts are just hard and distracted and not even understanding the word. There's some people, they hear the word, they don't even get it. They don't even get what God is saying to them because their hearts are hard, maybe with pride or something. There's other people with rocks, maybe bitterness, unforgiveness or unconfessed sin that really hinders us from receiving the word of the Lord and hearing God and being able to apply it to our lives. There's other times where people come and there's the thorns, distractions, the cares of this life, where everything else in this life is more important than the word of the Lord. We know that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, his word to you, your provision, Everything you need is found in Him, and His Word comes to you to give you the very thing, the direction, the wisdom that you need. Amen? And so it's important that we come to the Lord and say, I'm not putting my trust in those other things, but I've come to you with hunger and a long expectation. It's why you're here this morning, why you would give a morning to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to come and meet with you. I want to come and hear your voice. And so it's important that we come with expectation. It's important that we come ready to receive as we would do every Sunday and not in any way just kind of go through the motions. We are not here, especially at not at New Community, to just kind of go through the motions. We don't just sing songs just to like, because it seems religious. No, we want to encounter the presence of God. We want to give Him praise. And we prayed for one another because the Word tells us to do that because we expect you to be healed and to be re- and recover and to be made whole. And we expect right now that the Lord will speak to you. He's given me a word for you, all right? So let's pray. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's position our hearts. So Lord, we do. We come to you right now. We ask that you would speak to us. We expect that you would speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have a word for us. And Lord, so we give to you those things. We give to you those distractions. We give to those things that are in our hearts. You know, Lord. You know what's going on in us. You know the good stuff, the bad stuff, the hard stuff. You know it all. So we give it to you. We ask that you'd speak to us. We need a word from you. Just tell the Lord in your own words. Just say, Lord, I need a word from you. I ask that you'd speak to me. I thank you, Lord, that I do hear you and I can hear you. Just tell the Lord. Invite him. Invite him to speak to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name. Awesome. So turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to uh, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Not 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament. Chronicles is after Kings, and uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 10. <clears throat> also, we're going to turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22 in a little bit as well. So 1 Samuel, just a couple books behind 1 Chronicles. We've been walking in the footsteps of King David, haven't we, for a number of months here. We're learning from the life of David how to walk with God. Just like David had a heart for God, just like David walked with God and loved God, just like David was a man after God's own heart who fulfilled his calling, God has been holding David up to us as an example for us that we would see what David is like and walk in his footsteps and so that we could have a heart for God like David did, so that we could fulfill our calling like David did, so that we could love God and know the Lord deeply and intimately and partner with the Lord and become like the Lord just like David. And so the Lord's been teaching us from David's examples. It's really, I feel like it's kind of like a puzzle piece. I feel like each of these messages, the Lord has been giving us a little insight into David here and a little insight into David there. And really after week after week after week, the Lord has been putting this puzzle piece together so that now we should have in our minds, if you will, somewhat of a picture of what David was like. You may have already had that picture from other messages or times you've read the Bible, but really we've been learning that David uh, uh, had, was a man of faith. He, he knew that God loved him. He knew that God was faithful. He was convinced that God would not fail him. God had made promises to David, and David understood covenant. And David understood that God will fulfill his purpose for my life. And so we've seen David's faith in operation. We've seen his confidence in God's love. 
We've seen that David is a man of God's presence. He loved the presence of God. Really, he believed that his number one calling, more than anything else, was to worship God. You could take everything else away from David, but I'm going to praise God. And he was a man who would cultivate the presence of God, and he had experienced the power of God's presence, the supernatural power of God bringing uh, uh, provision and protection in his presence. We've seen that David... uh, We've seen just, uh, I don't know, I can't think of it now. (laughs) What else have we seen about David? We've seen that David was a man of God's word. Remember that David would meditate the word and sing the word of God, and that's what built up his faith. And so we've seen these different ways that David would think. We've seen these different ways David lived, and God is painting a picture piece by piece by piece of what David was like, and God's putting that up to us. It's really, it's never one thing, is it? There's a lot of people I've seen in life that they'll just kind of pick one principle. You know, they'll pick one thing that uh, Jesus says to do, but they won't do the other stuff. They kind of go halfway, but they don't go all the way. We need to be wholly given to the Lord. Amen? That's why we say at our new community, fully devoted followers of Christ. We're disciples. We're following Jesus. That's not like pick and choose Christianity. That's not like, well, I like this and this about Christianity. I'll, I'll do what Jesus says on these areas, but I won't really go all the way. Well, if you put 90 cents in a soda machine that requires a dollar, 100 cents, are you going to get the soda? You got to go all the way. It's all or nothing. And see, David is showing us that. The life of David is showing us. It's not just one thing. You got to go all the way. So we're learning from the life of David on these things. And so, last week we started asking this question. How did David respond to trials? How did David respond when he went through a hard time? And we said that just like if I squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you find out what's in that toothpaste. Whether it's Crest or Colgate or something like that. You know, the other day I grabbed a tube of toothpaste and I started brushing my teeth. I thought, man, that tastes like bubblegum or something like that. What, what is that? And I looked at the tube. It was one of my kids' toothpaste. You know, I don't even know. Is that stuff actually work? It's like, they probably give more cavities than, than, than it tastes like bubblegum. I mean, come on now. So anyways, uh, you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you find what's in it. You squeeze a person, you find, what's out, find out what's in their heart, right? Not just suffering. Praise and blessing will test your heart as well. You pour, God, pour, God pour out blessing on you, or the enemy brings suffering to you, it will show what's in your heart. And so we saw David, uh, last week we saw how Saul's heart turned against David and how everything fell apart for David. He went from having everything to losing everything, and we saw what did David do. Did he blame God? Nope. He blessed God, right? No. Everything was taken away from him, and his knee-jerk reaction, not his calculated response, but his knee-jerk reaction was to praise God. Because he knew, God, there's no wickedness in God. God is good. This suffering is because of an unjust king. This suffering is because of an enemy. This suffering is not from the Lord. God is good. Why would God make a promise to me and then try to kill me? God was not sending these things against David. David understood, the enemy is attacking me, but God is for me. And so because David knew God was good, he didn't blame the Lord. Instead, he praised God. He said, no matter what I'm going through, Yet I will still sing. I will still praise the Lord. Amen? And so we saw last week that David passed, if you will, the faith test. He chose to praise God in the midst of those hard times and to maintain his faith and to believe that God is good and to trust him and to praise him. And thankfulness is the language of faith. And so he would speak out that faith in praise. Today I want to talk to you about the obedience test. See, we've seen that David, he was a faithful shepherd, wasn't he? As a son under his father, he would shepherd his father's sheep faithfully. He was an armor bearer of King Saul, and he acted faithfully. He became a captain of an army, and he acted faithfully. David was faithful in the little. He was faithful to God, and he was faithful to the things that people would give him to do. We even saw it with Goliath. I mean, he believed God, and he took that giant out, right? He was faithful. He was a man of obedience. But the question is, did David obey God when he went through the hard times? What did David's obedience look like? Because I'll tell you, when you go through a hard time, though it's not necessarily from God, there's times we sin and so consequences and judgment from the Lord come. That that can happen. But there's a lot of times where you are believing God and hard times come for the word's sake. 
You don't ever judge somebody that's going through a hard time. I think we see that from David, don't we? David starts going through this hard time. Oh man, he must not, he must not be believing God. Because if he was believing God, he'd already be king. Well, if David, if David, if you, if you were more of a man of faith, you wouldn't be going through those trials. You must have done something, right? That's what Job's friends told Job, and they were wrong. That's what many people say to us. Never judge a brother or sister. We're not judges, right? We're brothers and sisters. We're to come alongside and believe with each other, right? And so just because someone goes through a hard time, like Joseph and Job and how many other people in the Bible, right? Doesn't mean they're not believing God. David was believing the Lord. He was walking in integrity. But his faith was being tested. His obedience was being tested. His character was being tested. Everything was being tested in David. The question is, how did he respond? And so we want to look at his obedience today. How did he respond to that test? And so in 1 Chronicles 1.10, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 10, verse 13 and 14, we see something about King Saul. Remember, King Saul was the king that was chasing David. And I want us to see the difference between David and Saul here. Usually I don't look at Saul because we're focusing on David, but this is important. Look at this, what it says about King Saul. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord. That's pretty serious. Because he did not keep the word of the Lord. And also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Spiritist, a medium, uh, nowadays called a new age psychic or something like that. But he did not, verse 14, listen, but he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Now, according to that verse, why did Saul's life end tragically? Why did he not see the blessing of God? Why did his kingdom not pass from him to his sons? Why did he die tragically in battle rather than victoriously winning? Because God was no longer with him. Why was God no longer with him? Because Saul chose not to ask God what God wanted and chose not to obey God wholly but half-heartedly. This is a serious issue, isn't it? This is a big deal. See, when we're, we're, those of us who are Christ followers, your life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and you no longer belong only to yourself. You belong to the Lord. He is, if you will, the owner. You are the manager. And since He is the owner, the owner of your life, the owner of your marriage, the owner of your finances, your job, your calling, your ministry, your body. Because he is the owner and you are the manager, the Lord expects that we would consult him. That's really what the word inquire means. To inquire of the Lord means to ask. That's really all that it means. And so just like you would go and consult somebody for their opinion, we are told in the scriptures that we need to come to the Lord and consult God. Ask of him, what do you want me to do? What is your will? for me. And the Lord expects that those who are his servants, him being the master, would come and consult him and ask him of their, of, of his will. The reality is, how can you and I say that we're following Jesus if we don't even know what he wants for us to do? You have to ask. And the scriptures tell us to do so. As I already quoted Deuteronomy 8, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're told in John chapter 10 by Jesus himself that my sheep hear my voice. You can hear him. And he's leading you as a shepherd leads sheep. How does he lead? His voice. My sheep hear my voice. Even Jesus is the perfect example, isn't he? As he said in John 5, I do only what I see my father do. He's the perfect example, but David is also an amazing example. In Psalm 27, 4, David says, One thing I've asked the Lord, and this is what I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire or to seek him in his temple. What was David saying? He said, this is the one thing I want, and this is the very thing that I seek after. We've talked about this, that he loved the presence of God. I just want to be with God all the time. I want to gaze upon his beauty. 
which is an aspect of worship, and he says, so that I can inquire of the Lord in his temple. What was David saying? I want to seek God, to know God, but also to know his will. If you were to do a word study of David's, I mean, if you were just to read the narratives, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and to read about the life of David, one of the most repeated words in the stories of David's life is that he inquired of the Lord. At every turn, it's not something he did once. All the time, you read the life of David, and all the time, he's inquiring of the Lord. Psalm 27, it's his theme verse. A man of the presence, a man who loved the Lord, a man who would worship God, and a man who would inquire of God. He wanted to know God, and he wanted to know the will of God. Do you remember in Acts chapter, uh, boy, what was that? Acts chapter 13, we started the series in Acts chapter 13. And it said, Acts 13, God said of David, he did all the will of God. All the will of God. Why? Because he was a man who would consult God. God, what do you want me to do? And then he would fully obey the Lord. This is what the scriptures tell us to do. We are commanded, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right, Proverbs 3? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will direct your steps. What are we commanded to do? Ask God. To acknowledge him as the Lord and master of our life. Acknowledge him doesn't just mean, hey, hey, I see you there, God. I see you as you go off and do your own thing, right? Hey, what's up? How you doing? I acknowledged you. Acknowledge means you are my Lord. I don't live by my own understanding. I don't trust in my own abilities or my own wisdom. Man does not live on bread alone, meaning my paycheck is not my provider. My boss is not my provider. Your voice is my provision. Your voice, the word of God to me, that's what I need to hear. You are my Lord and my master. Where you want me to go, that's where I will go. I need to know your will. That's what it means to acknowledge him in all our ways. This is what we're told to do. King Saul did not do that. King Saul did not consult the Lord. This wasn't just a one-time thing. This was a habitual thing in Saul's life. He habitually did not consult the Lord. He habitually did not obey God fully. And therefore, it caused him, caused the Lord to not put his blessing on him. It caused the Lord to not, no longer be with him. It caused Saul to open his heart up to demonic attack went a little crazy because of these demons that would attack him. And it caused him to be so confused, flying blind, that he said, oh my goodness, I need to know what to do. I'll go and consult a medium. One thing's for sure, Christians, as Christ followers, the Bible makes it painfully clear we are not to be led by new age psychics and spirits and mediums and tarot cards and horoscopes and things like that. That is for sure in the scriptures not to be led by those things. Those things are not from the Lord. But even more than that, the Bible makes it very clear that we are not to be led by our own understanding either. That we're to ask God what we should do. Because he knows. Because he's our master. See, King Saul, uh, one of the times King Saul did not ask God, he had come against... uh, real quick context, is all throughout the reign of King Saul, the Philistines were a nuisance. They just kept coming and attacking. And uh, the Philistines were an army or a nation very close to the Israelites. They kept attacking them and taking their, their towns and things like that. And they were always a nuisance. And so all throughout the reign of King Saul, he was dealing with this. Well, early on in King Saul's reign, he's coming against these Philistines, or they're coming against him, and he comes out and he gathers the armies of Israel against the Philistines. Well, the Philistines are so strong at this point, and this is before the David and Goliath thing and all that. They're so strong that they're rising up in numbers, they're taking towns, and the Israelites are freaked out. Now, Samuel had told Saul, Samuel had given Saul the word of the Lord. Wait for me seven days. Wait for me seven days, and I'll come to you, and I'll let you know what to do. Saul had instructions from the Lord through Samuel. And as Saul is waiting on Samuel, or we could say waiting on God, his armies, his men start to get scared. And his men begin to scatter. And so he thinks to himself, oh no, what do I do? So he grabs some animals and he sacrifices on his own, which he wasn't supposed to do, 
something that was violating uh, what God had asked him to do. And the moment he does, Saul, Samuel shows up. Samuel showed up on time. And Saul says to him, because Samuel says, hey, what are you doing? I told you to wait seven days. And Samuel, or Saul says, I, I just, I felt, I felt compelled. Everyone was leaving, and I felt compelled. I, I needed to do this. See, Saul was a fearful leader. You can read more a detail of this in 1 Samuel 13 and 15. He was a fearful leader. He was afraid of what people thought. And when he says, I, w- oh, I just felt compelled, I felt compelled, we find out what's really going on inside him. He was led by his own emotions. He wasn't led by the Lord. He wasn't led by God's Spirit. He didn't ask God what to do. No, he was led by his own emotions, which is what? My own understanding, isn't it? What happens? You look at circumstances. You look at hard things that are going on. You listen to what other people are saying. You process that through your own filter. It causes you to feel afraid or feel this or anxiety or whatever, and you react. We react to those emotions. What is that? Leaning on my own understanding, isn't it? See, Saul, he was not led by the Lord. He was led by his own fear, by his own emotions. He was a reactionary leader. And he feared people. And he would do things in order to appease other people. In fact, in 1 Samuel 15, God told him through Samuel, go and destroy all the Amalekites. Saul goes and he fights against the Amalekites. Guess what he does? He doesn't kill them all. He brings what he called the best of the sheep and the oxen. And he gave it to his men so that they could sacrifice it to the Lord. You'll notice about King Saul is that he replaces obedience with religious things that are not really obedience. You know, if I ask my kids, okay, I would like you to go pick up your toys and your clothes here and please take them to your room. And my kids go, no, no, daddy, I'll go and put the chips away. Well, thank you. But I want you to go put your clothes and your toys in your room. No, no, I put the chips away. I did what you said. No, you didn't. See, that's how King Saul was. He would, when you don't obey God, you make something else up to obey him. And you make that up. You make that the obedience. That's what happened in the story with the Amalekites. God said, go kill them all. And Samuel goes, no, no, I did what you said. I did what you said, God. When Samuel confronts him, why did you not obey the Lord? He goes, no, I did. I did. We just, we just brought all the, 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 the best stuff and to sacrifice to God. Well, sacrifice to God. And he says it's because, and he says to Samuel, because I was afraid of the men. He was led by the opinions of people, by the fear of man, not by the Lord. And he would replace his obedience with half obedience, and he would cloak it in religious activities. You see, one time he calls a fast. We're all going to fast. Because He's trying to muster up spirituality. Another time, like I said earlier, he, he oh, I, I, need to, I need to make some sacrifices to God because if I don't, all these people are leaving. I need to, you know, I need to make sacrifices and appease God and get God's attention. Because he thinks God is not for him and he needs to appease God. It's religious, outward things that God did not ask him to do. And oftentimes, that's what we do. We try to do these outward religious things. We try to, we, we, we are oftentimes led by our emotions, our perceptions of events, our perceptions of people, we will be afraid of other people. And let me tell you, when that happens, can't hear the Lord. It's those rocks, it's those thorns in our hearts that hinder us from hearing the Lord clearly. I'm not saying that God's not speaking to you, but that for you to be able to discern His voice from all the other clutter, it takes coming and consulting the Lord. Saul I don't even think knew what was going on inside of his own heart. He never truly repented of that half obedience. And he never truly went and consulted God. We can see that between David and Saul. You know, one of the most important things I found about hearing the Lord, besides, you know, being in the Word and actually asking Him kind of basics, is being honest. Being really, really honest with God. See, if you don't want to come before the Lord and acknowledge your fear of man and your own emotions, you won't be able to make a distinction between what God is saying to you and what other people are saying to you or what your own emotions are saying to you. 
How can you lean not on your own understanding if you don't acknowledge your own understanding being false? Bring that before the Lord and say, now I need you to speak to me. So often, we are led by these fears and by these emotions and our perceptions and our attitudes, and they're wrong. And they clutter, clutter. And so my point is that Saul was a fearful and reactionary leader. He was not able to hear the Lord. And yet David, very different, very, very different. See, I want to show you this in 1 Samuel 21. First Sam, I'm sorry, 22. 1 Samuel 22. In 1 Samuel 22, David has just escaped from Saul. He's just sent his parents off to Moab. He has lost everything. His attitude is an attitude of worship, like we've said. And he's hiding out in these caves where he's safe, away from people, away from habitation, away from farms and villages, and away from King Saul. And he's hiding out in these caves. And the prophet Gad is with him. And in 1 Samuel 22, verse 5, this is what the prophet Gad says to David. Verse 5. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Now Judah is the region where David is from, and it's the region where Saul is located. And the forest of Hereth is near Saul's, uh, where Saul lives. And the forest of Hereth is inhabited by a number of villages and people who are farming and things like that. And so what Gad is basically asking David to do, what God is saying through this prophet is, leave this place where nobody knows where you are, and go to a place with your 400 men, go to a place where people are. If I was David, I'd be like, what you talking about, fool? You know, <laughs> what's he talking about? Get behind me, you know? That's not, you're not from the Lord. Get out of here. But I want you to notice that David listens to the prophet of God. He listens to the prophet of God, and he obeys what the Lord has to say. We're going to find this is a habit in David's life. He would hear different, from different mediums, uh, I, uh, that, didn't, that wasn't the right word, different avenues, I should say, because mediums, that was a negative word. Different avenues, sometimes through a prophet, sometimes he would ask God directly, and the Lord would witness to his spirit. Other times he had uh, what's called an afad. And so they would, they would, there was different ways that the Lord would speak to David, but he would always consult the Lord. And here, Prophet Gad comes to him and says, God is telling you not to stay in this place where you're comfortable and safe. He wants you to move back into a place called, uh, into the region of Judah, into the forest of Hereth. And David doesn't understand why, but God has a reason for David to move into that. And I want you to understand that oftentimes God will speak to you, number one, things that you don't understand. Things that don't make any sense and don't lead you to a place of comfortability. See, if you want to be comfortable and you want, every, and you want to play everything safe, then don't be a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Just joking. Following the Lord, if you want to follow Jesus and you want to love like he loves, he will lead you into relationships and situations, ministry opportunities that are not comfortable. And yet, it will be in those places that he can fulfill his purpose and plan in your life. So this is what David is doing. David could have said, forget you, God. I'm not doing what you say, right? He could have said, no, I'm not going to do what God said. I'm going through a really hard time. This guy's trying to kill me, man. I'm playing it safe. Now, David didn't make every decision perfectly. He, he made mistakes. But he would often, like in these scenarios, obey God. See, what happens when you go through hard times? You say, oh, you know, I'm going through this hard time. I can't, I just, you know, I, I, I can't hear God right now. I, I don't want to hear God. Do you, do you hide out? Do you run away? Do you play it safe? Or do you ask God, God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Oftentimes, people will check out of ministry and check out of community. And yet, that's exactly what the enemy wants. Bring division. And the Lord would say, when you're going through hard times, stay in community, stay in ministry. And this is what we see with David. David had a noble heart, a noble heart. He didn't need position to do ministry. 
before he had position? He saw Goliath taunting the people of Israel, and he said, I'm taking that guy out. He didn't need a position to do the calling of God. He knew he was called to be king. As as a person who was called to be king, he had a passion to see Israel set free, and the people of God thrive according to God's covenant promises. He was passionate for the people of God, and so he didn't need a position to take Goliath out. And the same thing here. Everything gets taken away from David, and he keeps worshiping God, And he keeps asking God, what do you want me to do? And the prophet Gad comes to him and says, God wants you to go over here. God wants you to go to the forest of Hereth. Well, there's people over there. It's not going to be safe. That's not really wise. Well, but God wants you to go there. Well, I don't really know why. And if David were to hear why, we'll see in just a second, prophet Gad would say, because there's ministry there. See, God has a purpose for David. Even in the midst of the suffering, God still wants to use David in his calling. Despite losing position and losing all these things, God wants to do some things through us. And a lot of times when we go through hard times, we go selfish. We go inward. We isolate ourselves. But what we see with David is that he did distance himself from Saul, because Saul was trying to kill him. But he stayed in the will of God, and he positioned himself for ministry opportunity, for the fulfillment of his calling. You know, in my own life, I've found that I usually hear God for big things and directional things when I've obeyed him in the little things. See, God was trying to set David up right here. God was telling David, go to the forest of Hereth because I got something for you. But David didn't know what it was. And I found oftentimes in my life, you know, 90% of the time when I hear the Lord, I come before the Lord every day. Every day, every day, almost every day, you know. Sometimes I don't spend as much time with him. But for the most part, I'm in the word, I'm seeking the Lord, cultivating his presence in my life. And 90% of the time, I would guess, you know what I'm hearing from the Lord? Besides like affirmation, correction. Even this week, even this week, Lord correcting attitudes and perceptions in my mind, in my heart. And I had to say to the Lord, repent for leaning on my own understanding. I acknowledge you right now. I need course corrections all the time. I need direction all the time. See, there are, there are forks in the road. There are opportunities. There are, there are difficulties. There are attacks from the enemy. There are good things that the Lord has for us. And if we're not in the Word every day, He can't speak to you, correct you, direct you, deal with those issues, and position you in the right place at the right time. And so many times people are missing the word of the Lord, missing the fresh bread, missing that daily manna, missing that manna from heaven that God wants to bring. Man does not live on bread alone, but we're just depending on bread, depending on people. So often we consult, right? We consult friends, we consult doctors, we consult lawyers, we consult lots of people. But do you consult the Lord? Those people aren't wrong or bad, but do you consult the Lord first? Who's your master? Who knows everything about everything? He does. Do you ask him? Do you consult the Lord? I was even sensing that this week. Um, Maybe because I was seeking the Lord for this message, but I just felt like the Lord was highlighting areas where I needed to consult him more. Different areas of my life, like with my kids. So I said, you know, Lord, we're running into some things. Lord, you know, I need to ask you. You know, the Lord was putting on my own heart, and I said it back to him. Lord, I need to ask you every turn for my kids. Man, things, our kids are getting th- stuff thrown at them. They're growing. They're changing. Nothing stays the same in our relationships, especially with kids. I need to ask the Lord all the time, all the time. What do you need to do in me? What do you want to do in them? All the time, all the time. And I'll tell you, man, if I didn't have the Lord cor- course correcting me, I could imagine things could grow up in my heart, weeds and rocks and unforgiveness or sin or something like that. But the Lord always just there, and I, when I say correction, I mean loving correction. Just, Dave, we need to work on this. Dave, we need to work on that. You know, I was talking to a, a lady in our church, a woman of God, who said that she would, she asked the Lord after like OSL. A lot of times, you know, people go through OSL and they get these breakthroughs, but they don't continue to walk it out. And she asked the Lord, Lord, how do I spend time with you? Oh, man, I'm busy, you know. She, she's, uh, she'd take OSL in the summer and, and get into teaching in the school. Man, I'm really busy and I want to spend time with you. And the Lord revealed to her, spend 10, 10 minutes with me in the morning, 10 minutes with me, I think like maybe at lunch or in the afternoon or maybe right after school, and then 10 minutes with me at night. And you know, I'll tell you, that's powerful. We don't need religious 
activity. We just need to ask God. People do this all the time. Well, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I prayed. I prayed. Dave, I don't understand. I've been praying. I've been praying, Dave. I don't know why God hasn't come through, which is basically an accusation against God. But it's honest accusation. But, you know, it's like, I prayed about it. Well, let me ask you a question. And I'm not dissing you, but let me ask you a question. Did you ask him? Does the Bible command us to pray about it? Yeah. But does the Bible command us to ask? Yeah. My question, I prayed about it. What, what did he say? Huh? I prayed about it. What did he say? I prayed. Which basically often is a way of saying, I am passively expecting God to take responsibility for my problem and for God to do it. Yeah, we believe it's God's power and God's grace and he's going to come through on your behalf. There's some things you can't do. But most of the time, you know what he wants? He wants you to say, what do you want me to do? That's what he wants you to do. And he'll tell you what to do. So when people say, I prayed about it, what did he say? So I, th- th- this lady I was telling you about, she, a woman of God, spent 10 minutes, you know. And I'll tell you, that's powerful. Instead of trying to cram in 30 minutes or whatever and being stressed out, 10 minutes each day. And you know what that does? She's able to stay focused with the Lord. That's what she was telling me. She's able to stay focused throughout the day and walk in the Spirit because, you know, every once in a while, oh, spend a little bit of time with the Lord. Spend a little bit of time with the Lord. And not put that pressure on her. I've got to read this much of the Bible. I've got to pray this much. I've got to do this. But just Lord telling her, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And you know what? That positions you to hear the Lord. That positions you. That's what I'm saying is that the Lord would speak to David and kind of set him up. Look what he set David up for. I love this, uh, one of my, a lot of stories of David's uh, hearing God. And I love this one in 1 Samuel 23. So just a little bit later, David's hanging out in the forest of Hereth. And some people come to tell David, look at this in verse 1. Then they told David, look, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. And they are robbing the, fre- the, th- uh, sorry, the threshing floors. And so the, the city of Keilah, or the village of Keilah, is in that region of Judah, near the forest of Hereth. And his men heard about how the Philistines were attacking this city. Now remember, the Philistines are a nuisance to Israel. And David is passionate about seeing God's people free. That's why he took out Goliath. And so he, David hears about this. Now if David was hiding out in a stronghold, would he have even heard about this? Probably not. Would he even be in the general location to deal with it? Not at all. David was at the right place at the right time. God spoke to him through the prophet Gad, not so David would be comfortable, but so that David could do what God wanted him to do. God wants to speak to you to bless you, but a lot of times he wants to speak to you so you'll bless others. Amen? And so David is at the right place at the right time to hear God so that David could do what God has called him to do. And look at what David does. Verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? Do you see what David did? Is David passive? Is David a fearful leader? Is he a reactionary leader? Is he being led by his emotions? Is he passive? No. How many times when I talk about, man, let's believe God's promises, people just translate into it like, sit around and do nothing. Man, we need to hear God. So people think, okay, I'll sit around and do nothing. That's not how we hear God. That's not how we hear God. You notice how proactive David is? You notice that David asks God? Now again, why is David even asking God this question? Because David believes he has a calling on his life. David believes, I have a purpose. I was thinking about our friend, uh, there's a young man, part of our church, Daniel. And, you know, he's going to star. he's been telling me a lot of stories, he's going to Starbucks, and, and he'll just be sitting there studying, and he'll strike up a conversation, and he'll just get, start getting words of knowledge. It means God's giving information to Daniel that Daniel wouldn't know of otherwise. Starts getting these words of knowledge about this person. Prays for them. Prays for healing for them. One time he, the lady behind the counter at Starbucks had, was, uh, her throat was sore and, you know, all congested and couldn't really talk very well. Can I pray for you? And just prayed for her right there and her throat automatically started feeling better. She could talk better, that kind of thing. I mean, this is what he's doing. And I was thinking, it's not like we have to ask, God, do you want people to be saved or not? You want people to be healed or do you not? The question is, 
Lord, that one, right? That one, right? Oh, you want me to pray for that guy? You want me to pray for that girl? Do you want to be healed that person? Oh, do you want me to share the gospel with that person? That's proactive, right? We already know what God's will is. We have it right there in the word of God, amen? We already know what he wants us to do. We already know. It's like what I was saying about my friend who's, you know, praying 10 minutes, you know, throughout the day. Lord, do you want me to spend time with you or not? You know, or like Sam was saying, Lord, do you want me to give? I mean, it's not like an if. It's not an if. Oh, oh God, do you want this? No, we already know what God wants. The question should be, Lord, how do I make this happen? What do you want me to do right now? How do I apply your scriptures to my life right now? And so David, he already knew he's called to take out these Philistines. As king, man, he cleaned up that country. He brought freedom and blessing to the, to the nation of Israel. But right here, he's in a trial. He's not thinking about just himself. He's thinking about other people. And he hears, oh my goodness, Keilah is being attacked. You know who Keilah is? That's a village. That's his family. Not specifically immediate, but that's Judah. That's Israel. That's my people. God's people are being attacked. God, what do you want me to do about that? You see what I'm saying? That's how David responded to trials. His obedience was tested. And not only would he do what, what God said to him to do, but he actually was proactively seeking the will of God. That's obedience. Did you know that? Obedience is not passive. Obedience isn't, fine, God, I'll do it. Obedience is when your heart is aligned with what God wants. You want what God wants. And so you say, God, God, kill is being attacked. These Philistines shouldn't be doing that. Or let's translate that into, man, my brother or sister struggling. My brother or sister's being divided from the church because the enemy's lying to them. Lord, what do you want me to do about that? Lord, do you want me to call them? Lord, who do you want me to disciple? I know you want me to reproduce my life. Lord, is there anyone you want me to reach out to? Lord, I know I need to give my life away. Lord, who do you want me to serve? What ministry do you want me to be a part of? See, that's proactive. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not, well, I'll just sit around, and Lord, when you want me to do something, just let me know. I don't have a job, but you know, when God wants me to have one, he'll let me know. No, man, you, you, you seek the Lord, and you go with God, and you say, Lord, I'm going. You better tell me which one it is, you know? I'm filling out applications. I'm knocking on doors. I'm making... Appreciate that, Charity. This is what we've got to do. Proactively ask the Lord. Proactively ask the Lord. But here, let me show you the rest of the story. I've got some stories. So listen to what verse 3, his friends. But David's men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? What are his, what are his men saying? Oh, dude, you already had us come to Judah, man. We didn't want to do that. When the prophet Gad, we think the prophet Gad's crazy. Why are you listening to the prophet? You know? Why are you doing that? We're already scared. We're already scared. We don't want to go against Gila. So what does David do? Listen to what David does. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. Love it? What does David do? David's not a dictator. He's also not passive. He's not a fearful leader. He knows he's discipling these men. He's teaching them to believe God. He's teaching them to be warriors. And he's not a dictator. A lot of times I talk to men about being leaders of their home. I say the scriptures say you're the head. You're the covering of your home. And I don't know, the word comes into their ears, goes into their heart, and gets translated into, I am dictator. I will control my family. I will tell them what to do. And I go, I didn't say that. I didn't, say, I, didn't say, I didn't say dictator. I said leader. Servant leader. Head. Covering. Provider. Protector. Initiator. The one who goes first. Dies first. Apologizes first. Initiates the conversation. Initiates people getting whole and getting help. and Sets the values and the tone of the home and the culture of the home by the words we speak. The life-giving words we speak. Amen? But you know what? All of us are leaders. Did you know that? All of us are leaders. We all have a realm of responsibility. Hmm, really, Dave? Yeah, you're supposed to lead yourself. At minimum, you're supposed to lead you under the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And then, you're a mom, you're a dad, maybe a, a, a manager or something like that. Many of us have leadership roles to invest in other people. Many of us, discipling other people, many of us, maybe leaders in the church or something like that, we're called to lead. And what does David do? Does he be addicted? Well, God told me. I'm, pu- I'm pulling the God card. Well, the Lord told me. See, we don't do that around here. We believe we hear God together. We're not reactionary. We listen to the Lord together, especially now that in the New Testament, we all have the Holy Spirit. We ask God together. But, but, but these men are afraid. They're not hearing God. God told David to go. These men are afraid. So does David go, oh, well, my men said we can't go. Sorry, God. Sorry, they said we can't go. Does he do that? How many people are like that? How many of us blame other people when it's your responsibility to hear God and obey him? When you're blaming someone else, you're abdicating your responsibility, especially as a leader. You blame, you're saying, I'm not responsible for me. I'm not responsible. David didn't go, well, they're afraid, so that's why we're not going. And now I'm mad because, because, because they made me disobey God. That's what we do. That's how we talk. Does David do that? Nope. He's not a dictator. He's not passive either. He's not a reactionary leader. How does he do it? Here's God. I want you to go. Well, at first, he actually asked God. He asked God, God, what do you want me to do? Go. Okay, I'm going to go. Hey, guys, we're going. Oh, we're scared, though. We're scared. Man, I understand. See, a good leader, they listen to their people. Listen. They consider what's going on in their hearts. And they ask, Lord, is that, is, that, is that you or is that them? What's going on? And we process it out together. So this is what David does. Oh, you guys are scared. All right. Let's ask God. You know, I always wonder about Adam and Eve. What if Adam just would have asked God? Maybe that's what he was supposed to do. Hey, hey, Eve, why don't we ask God? That would be good leadership. Instead, he sat there. I wonder what's going to happen when she eats it. Well, she didn't die. I'm going to try it. And they didn't believe God, and they didn't ask God. So David, he's not passive. He doesn't blame. He's not a dictator. He asks God. Hey, God, so they're scared. And uh, I, I think I get why they're scared. I mean, I understand that. But I really want to know, what's going on in our hearts? Is this you? Are you, you know, what's going on? No, David, I want you to go. And I love it because the next time David hears God, God says, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. The second time, he gets a very specific promise from God. First time, God just says, go. I think that was enough for David. But for his men, I think he needed a promise. So God said, dude, you're going to take them out. You're going to win this one. And David probably tells his men, hey, guys, no, 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 this is going to be good. Just follow my lead. God's going to give us victory. It's going to be all good. And guess what? They went and they won. See, the Lord wants to speak to you. The Lord wants to speak to you, but you need to ask. This is what obedience looks like. You know, I've seen... uh, wrap up with this i've just watched my wife i've watched my wife even with our kids something's going on with them something going on in their hearts there's a lot of emotions going on in our kids you know they don't even know how to express it my wife lord what's going on sometimes just means my wife taking authority over stuff you know you gotta take authority in the spirit realm and then you, you you beat up the devil but you go to the you go to the kids gentle what's going on in you right And I've seen breakthroughs happen because she comes to the Lord and asks the Lord. So many financial decisions that Michelle and I have made. Houses, cars, big stuff. And not saying we don't make mistakes. We just say, Lord, what do you want us to do? When? when? You want to buy? Sell? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? You know, one time, you know, she wanted a van. The Lord said, wait till the fall. He waited, thought about it, worried about it. She typed in, when does fall begin? Found the first day of fall. <laughs> Smart girl. No, I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. She's amazing. And, and guess what? On the first day of fall, her mom's looking on the computer and found the van that she wanted in Phoenix, 
underpriced, good mileage, good records from the dealer. You know, it was a dealer car. It was awesome, and we're blessed to have it. And uh, just things like that, little things. But those are little things, right? Little things, little things. But I'll tell you, I remember when the Lord, years ago, years ago, the Lord said, I want you to work at this, this pool table store. I was working at the church. The Lord said, work at this pool table store. And he said to me, he said, I'll redeem the time. Redeem the time. And uh, I didn't know what he meant, but it sounded good to me, right? And uh, the Lord blessed me through that uh, job in many ways and, and uh, you know, helped us to, we got married and had a, got a house and all that fun stuff. So we were able to do all that. But then a, a little bit later, after we bought our first house and everything, the Lord said to me, now it's time to start your master's degree. And, uh, and I probably had asked him, you know, Lord, what do you, when do you want me to do it? Didn't tell me for a while. Didn't tell me, so I didn't do it. Now it's time. And um, I remember that uh, I, I joke with people that uh, it was great working in the pool table store. I got to, that's how I got my master's degree done, right? I mean, you, you know, you got to sell pool tables and clean stuff and everything, but I did so much study. I studied the word. I did my master's degree while I was there. I mean, it was all legit. I'm not being, I wasn't being unfaithful. It was like, you got to wait around for a customer to come kind of a thing, right? And uh the Lord redeemed the time. It was amazing. Just use that, and, and, and not only that, just with the master's degree, when I graduated, so the Lord told me when to start, told me when to end, and I ended, as I ended that job, I, was, I needed to be laid off from the pool table storage economy and stuff like that, and yet the door opened for me to work at APU. It's a huge blessing, and then Life Pacific College so that we could, she didn't have to work. It was right when John David was being born. I mean, it was literally like perfect timing from God. Why? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. And I'm not saying, oh, look at me. I mean, like, it wasn't an accident. I heard God. So, I, man, look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let me tell you the story. God told me what to do. This has happened so many times on these things. You know, the only reason I'm here is because God, years ago, nope, don't go. Don't leave. Nope, don't leave. Don't leave. And then one day, my pastor says, oh, we're, I'm leaving. No, you're not. Yep, yep, I'm leaving. No, you're not. And the Lord said, it's time for you to be a pastor. Just being led by the Lord, getting us in the right place at the right time so we can serve him, no matter what we're going through. Amen? So no matter if you're going through a hard time or a good time, we need to hear God. We need to obey him. Amen? All right, let's stand and respond. Sam, come on up.